The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. We are officially, I think it's two weeks now, two weeks out from the NFL draft. It's looming ever so closely, and as the the uh, the day gets closer that we find out who the new Philadelphia Eagles are going to be, comes with the uh, anxiety of, of wearing down these players, uh, breaking down these players, trying to figure out who it's going to be, and preparing for heartbreak for all of our draft crushes and prospects that we've come to know and love and watch them join other teams as well. What is going on, guys? Welcome to Another edition of the EPA podcast brought to you by Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host today, Victor Williams. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms at the Philly Pod, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is uh, you've come across my stuff. Be sure to give a follow. Joined as always by my co-host on the EPA podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at half and half underscore TPL. Be sure to subscribe to his YouTube channel. I'll let him tell you where. You can find everything in his big board and his million players he's broken down. So if there's any way you've gone into this draft and you don't know every single player, at least in the top 100, then you haven't done your due diligence to to the extent that Shane has. So be sure to go over there and check out his YouTube channel so you can be uh, well-equipped and not be surprised when you hear whatever name the Eagles select in the first three or four rounds. I want you to be able to hear the name called and be like, oh, I know that guy because I watched Shane's YouTube channel. So Shane... Because of you, everybody's going to know all at least the top four players that the Eagles picked in, in, in the top 100. So good on you for that. Yeah, we hope so. Uh, you never know. I mean, I was on a live draft show last year when the Patriots drafted Cole Strange. And, yeah, that wasn't fun uh, for them anyway. Had I had him outside my top 150. So you never know what's going to happen on draft night. The, the Eagles might select somebody that I've not done a video on. But let's be honest, that'll probably be the Patriots domain again. So Yeah, they're good on uh, about the draft i'm ready for it to get here like all the all the work has been put in i've got i've got a few videos left to edit everything's scheduled out on twitter i'm just ready to ride this out and get to draft night at this point yeah yeah because especially at least at that point you're going to know the players that are going to be here it's time to look even deeper at those guys and figure out what they can bring uh uh in the next season maybe in the 2023 campaign as the eagles attempt i'm sure to be playing football in february determined to get back to a Super Bowl. So last week, if you were able to catch uh, Shane and I on last week's edition of the podcast, we broke down, we each broke down three players that we suspect the Eagles could be uh, targeting in the first round. And this week, we're going to uh, zero in on the number 30th overall pick, talk three players each as far as that pick is concerned. But Shane, before we, we, we get into those targets, I want your thoughts on what is the probability 
of the Eagles uh, moving out of that pick 30, whether they move back and get more second round capital because they don't have a whole lot there, or if they try to move up, if somebody we'll, we'll talk about my guy, if somebody falls that they really like, or somebody uh, is sliding that was in the teens and sliding to the twenties and the Eagles may be aggressive to go and get those guys. What is your, where would where, where kind of you rank the percentage of the Eagles trading out of this pick either to acquire more capital or to move up and get a potential uh, year one contributor? I think I think it's highly unlikely they pick at both 10 and mm-hmm. 30. Um, obviously, they've got the two first round picks and then they have a second and third, but they have no fourth, fifth or sixth round picks. So uh, it's a long time to sit and wait from the third round to the seventh round. We know how he likes to move around and deal picks. I think it's likely they'll trade one of those picks. Now, 30 is tricky because a lot of times teams are trying to get into the back end of the first round to take a quarterback to get that fifth-year option. And I know there's been a lot of hype around Hendon Hooker going in the Mm -hmm. back of the first round, the quarterback out of Tennessee. I just don't see it, and I think it would be surprising if a team made that move up. So then it just turns to another player falling that somebody wants to get up and get. And so your return for 30 is probably – less if it's not a move up for a quarterback like the last time the Eagles picked after a Super Bowl season at the end of the first round they traded out to the Ravens and they picked up I think it was a second and a future second and the Ravens got Lamar Jackson Mm -hmm. and um, I don't know if you would get the same sort of return if it's not for a quarterback but I do think they'll try to move out of one of those picks to pick up uh, some day two day three picks for this season they don't really have a need for picks next year uh, because they have so many projected picks with the comp picks but uh, I mean, if you could ever get another future first, that's always fun to have another team to root against. Yeah, I feel year. like I wanted to keep the tradition going of rooting for somebody to lose so that we can keep the draft tracker going. Uh, the first mock draft I wrote last week had the Eagles uh, trading back from 10 to 19 in a scenario where Jalen uh, Carter was no longer available. Um, and a lot of fans told me that they're done with kind of like acquiring picks for the next year. There's no need to do that. It's time to go all in now. And I agree with that sentiment. I was just excited to... Uh, to continue the draft tracker going because God forbid something goes wrong this year, uh, you'll, you'll have another first round pick to try and rectify whatever the the, the problem was in, in 2023. But we're anticipating another Super Bowl run. So maybe that's not the way to look at things. It's time to start. It's time to stop looking towards the future, prepare for the now and try and secure that uh, the Super Bowl ring before, you know, Jalen Hurts is whenever his extension comes before that kicks into effect here. So, if the Eagles stay at pick number 30, say they say they stayed at 10, they stayed at 30 in a world where Howie decides I'm going to stay at these picks and I'm going to draft uh, the best player available there. Eagles pick at number 30. Shane, what is one guy? Let's let's pretend like we have somewhat of an idea of who they picked at, no, at, at number 10. But who are some of your uh, uh, favorite prospects at number 30? Who is the uh, who's who's the number one guy you're hoping is available at 30 if the Eagles stay at that pick? Yeah, a, a guy that I really like at pick 30 is Osiris Torrance, the offensive guard out of Florida. Um, yeah, He's the top offensive guard in the class, unless you're evaluating Peter Skaronsky as a guard, in which case he's obviously better. Uh, but interior offensive linemen don't tend to go high. And so you could you could see Torrance falling there. I've seen, you know, for some reason, he started to fall down big boards and stuff into the second round now. And I don't really get that. He's a really good player. Um, he was a three-star prospect who played for three seasons at Louisiana Lafayette before transferring to Florida. And then in his one year at Florida, he was a first-team All-American at right guard. Um, He's huge, 6'5", 330 pounds, 96th percentile wingspan, 98th percentile hand size. Um, 
he only allowed 12 pressures in his first two seasons at Louisiana Lafayette. And then he made the leap to the SEC and he allowed zero sacks or hits. And he posted an 89.9 PFF run blocking grade in 2022. Wow. So uh, he's big, he's strong. He, he's a stonewall and pass protection. Um, if he does start to get pushed back, he does a really good job. You'll see sometimes offensive linemen, they just keep like chopping their feet backwards. And that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get that little hop and sink your hips to re-anchor. And he does a good job of that. Uh, he can execute reach blocks on outside runs. He, he can do about whatever you ask him to. Uh, the only real weakness in his game is that he's not the most fluid mover. He's a little heavy footed, comes from his size. Maybe he cuts a little weight or whatever, but uh, he's a plug and play right guard which coincidentally, I don't know if you know this or not, Victor, but the Eagles lone replacement to the offensive line will be whomever plays right guard. So you talk about being in a Super Bowl window and drafting a guy that you can plug in and play and not have to worry about it right guard. And I know Eagles fans are sold on mm -hmm. Cam Jurgens being sure. the right guard. Um, I wrote in my scouting report for Cam Jurgens last year that he was a center only prospect. So I'm not saying he couldn't make that leap. I didn't evaluate him that way. He never played at offensive guard at, at Nebraska. So you could get him and that would give you, uh, that would make me feel a lot better about the offensive line. Not that I feel bad about it, but I think it would be a pick in the trenches that the Eagles would like. Uh, and he would be automatic plug and play high impact in his first year. Now, now did you, when you, if, if, and when, I don't know if, if you did this, but when you scouted uh, Landon Dickerson, was he a center only prospect when you did him as well? Or were you? Or no, was he more uh, I think I think Dickerson. I have to go back and look. I'm pretty sure Landon Dickerson actually took snaps at all five positions when he was at Alabama <laughs> at some point. Now it was. I think he took like 12 left tackle snaps or something like that. I'll look it up when you're talking about one of your guys here in a minute. But no, I, I thought Dickerson was a guy that was kind of flexible. Uh, the Eagles definitely saw him as a center mm -hmm. and moved him out to guard, but. That he he had played a lot of different positions. In yeah, college. I was going to say maybe hopefully if they if they viewed Dickerson as center only and and he, lucky enough he was able to play left guard. They're hoping the same uh, for Cam Jurgens, but I feel like Jurgens was more of like a, a surefire center than Lander Dickerson was. So um, obviously with Kelsey uh, uh, returning now, they're going to want to try and see what Cam Jurgens can do in year two because most most people don't want your second round picks to be sitting uh, uh, in their in their second season. But this guy you're talking about, Torrance uh sold me on he'll be able to come in and start right away i'm not sure how fans would feel about it playing him over cam jurgens are going to probably hear some uproar over that but we know how the eagles like to address those trenches and and we, we expect them to come out of the first round with either a defensive tackle or edge rusher or an offensive lineman of some sort i'd be shocked if they don't come out of the first round with one of those three 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 positions if they decide to address elsewhere so that's a guy I think uh, would be beneficial to the Eagles, especially as they attempt to to play in February next season. Um, where did real real quick? Uh, so Landon Dickerson was six five and five yeah. eighths, five eighths, uh, three hundred thirty three pounds. Cam Jurgens was six two and seven eighths, three hundred and three pounds. So there's quite a bit of a difference there in terms of like your athletic profile between uh, Dickerson and Jurgens. That's not to say that Dickerson couldn't move to guard. It was just a lot more of a Sure thing, right. I guess, with Dickerson to be able to move him around. Right, like right. I was going to ask where you had. Uh, I, I don't know if you mentioned it or if I just zoned out at that moment. But where did Torrance rank in your? Uh, uh, as far as your big board is concerned, what rank prospect is he? Uh, he is the number twenty-one guy on you my. Think big he's going to be there? I think so. Well, I don't know. It, it really just <laughs> depends. It just takes one team. Um, 
interior offensive line usually falls down the boards yeah. a little bit. But I mean, you've seen Elijah Vera Tucker go in the teens, which he was probably a better prospect than Osiris Torrance was. And he had some tackle versatility as well. But it just takes one team needing a guard because he's the top guy, discounting mm-hmm. Skaronsky, who teams mm-hmm. will view as kind of a tweener. Um, but I think it's conceivable he'll be there at 30 as well. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think those guys typically tend to slide, especially if more quarterbacks are going to sneak. We, we're, you're hearing four can go in the top ten. Um, you're you're hearing Hendon Hooker. You mentioned Hendon Hooker's name is sliding around. So so we're definitely going to expect some guys to to slide in those regards. Interior offensive linemen do find their way. Uh, so some first round guys fall into the second and things like that, depending on where skill players are going to go. So so for my first overall prospect, I like. At the uh, 30th pick in the first round, we uh, you spoke about the trenches on the offensive side. I'll flip over to the defense and pick a guy like BJ Ojolari out of LSU, a guy that 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 I know you've like we've talked uh, prior prior to the show. Now this pick is w- is is with the notion that they weren't able to get any of the other guys like Jalen Carter or Nolan Smith is gone by now. Um, uh, the Van Nesses, the Brian Brezies, all those guys. So I think BJ Ojolari is is a really good consolation prize at this pick if he's the one remaining standing. Now, as we all know, the Eagles defensive line dominated on historic levels last season. The franchise record 70 sacks, thanks to a deep rotation that kept players fresh. Now, I think with the pass rushing arsenal that Ojolari has, I think it would be enticing to Harry Roseman and a guy that likes to keep rotations anyway. It's a guy that can come in and get into the fold right away. And I really like what I see from the tape on him. I feel like he's an explosive athlete. I feel like he has really good length. Uh, I feel like he can bend the edge with, with really good lean. I think he's a guy that Hallie will see on him. We all like, we all make fun of the high motor guys, but I think he's a high motor guy <laughs> that would be enticing to, to, to Harry Roseman. 16 and a half sacks, 25, 25 tackles across his three years. LSU, and I think that he would be a really nice rotational piece uh, uh, behind Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat. So, Shane, for you, Ojalari, where do you have him ranked? How do you think he would fit into this defense if they're not able to get any of the other big-name guys along the defensive line earlier in the draft? Yeah, uh, I have Ojalari just outside the first round. There's been a lot of buzz oh, about him going into the I'm back reaching. half of the first round. And I don't think it's a reach, necessarily. Um I, I like the pick. I think he. I think it's likely he's going to sneak into the back end of the first round. Um, I like him as a player. He he's really athletic off of the edge, which is always nice, and he's really technically sound as a pass rusher. So there's not a lot of technique that you need to refine there. Uh, he is small. He's mm-hmm. only tenth percentile weight, and he struggles on the line of scrimmage, especially as like a a front side run defender. If you run the ball at him. He he is willing. He's just not, just not able <laughs> necessarily. So I think he could benefit from adding some weight, some functional strength or whatever. But if you're going to run a three, four, you know, if you're going to base out of a three man down front and you can put him out on the edge as an outside linebacker, a pass rushing specialist, similar to what the Eagles do with Hassan mm-hmm. Reddick, uh, you can put him on the other side. You can have him in case of an injury to Reddick. I, I like Ojolari quite a bit. Um, I wouldn't be disappointed at all if they took him at the back of the first round. Yeah, I think he would be be a good fit and a, definitely a year one contributor. Now, I know a lot of people scream like edge isn't an immediate need, but those that's a position that you could continually add to and get production from. I know Brandon Graham is coming back, but he's 34 and they'd certainly need younger talent off the edge. We'll be getting Derek Barnett back. We don't know if he's going to provide more penalties or sacks at this juncture. <laughs> so, we're, so we're trying to figure out what kind of role he is going to have. And he comes from a good family. His brother Aziz is, is, has been uh, has been productive to this point in his career with the Giants. So I think that 
when you can draft a guy that already has NFL ties to, to, to fairly good players, I think it's a win-win situation in, in both of those regards. So Ojalar is, is a guy I have my eye on in the back half of that draft, only if they don't look at guys like uh, Nolan Smith or Jalen Carter. I miss out on some of the bigger names earlier with their 10th overall pick. I still think you can get a good asset to add to the uh, defensive line at the back end of that first round. So Shane, for you, say Torrance is off the board or the Eagles just don't care about offensive line in the first round. For whatever reason, they feel good about it. They're going to roll with Jurgens. Who's another guy that you think the Eagles could potentially target at the back end of the first round? Yeah, uh, before I give my guy, I did go check that. Uh, and Landon Dickerson did play all, all five, five positions for yeah. Alabama. How many so snaps? I he, left played, he played snaps at... <laughs> Uh, I, I just, I just okay. played some, he, he had at least, he had at least a full game where he started at both left oh, and right started. tackle in 2018. Wow. Yeah. So 60 plus. At and I was least, screaming about the I, pick I at the time. I was, I was mad about it. I wanted Asante Samuel jr. And, uh, and JOK. I wanted all these guys. I was crying about it. Now look at him. Pro bowl left guard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of guys I wanted as well. So I just decided to stop criticizing the Eagles taking second. I round won't. Offensive I won't. I'll cry about it every year. And then they took, then they took Cam Jurgens last year, and that upset me too. But I tried to rein that one in because I remembered the year before. You know, now that you mention it, I was definitely less upset last year than I was the Dickerson year. Like last year, I was like, all right, well, it makes sense. Like, so maybe I'm just getting either more mature or less emotional, or maybe I'm just coping with what the Eagles do at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So, another guy that I like uh, as a potential guy at pick 30 is Keely Ringo, the defensive back out of Georgia. Mm. Now, he's. He's fallen down boards quite a bit throughout the process, and a lot of it has to do with the last time you saw him on a football field, he was getting Burned. abused by Marvin Harrison Burned. Jr., which, <laughs> let's be honest, there are very few cornerbacks in the in the NCAA that wouldn't get burned by Marvin Harrison Jr. There's a lot of cornerbacks in the NFL that would as well, so I think there's a little bit of an overreaction to the last thing we <laughs> saw. Um he comes from a track background. He's got fantastic speed, ran a 4.3640 at the combine, which is 92nd percentile. Uh, overall, he had an 8.24 relative athletic score. He's big, 90th percentile for a corner height, 93rd percentile weight. So big, elite, straight line speed. Uh, I think he does a good job at pressing at the line of scrimmage and then carrying vertically uh, and, and cutting off in breaking routes from a trail technique. So he gets that jam, then he sinks onto the inside hip, and he's so long, he gives, just gives such small throwing windows. Uh, I think he does a good job at high-pointing the ball. Uh, at the catch point, he's good in zone coverage. He he hits his landmarks in zone. He relates well to high-low concepts while keeping his eyes on the quarterback. Uh, but obviously there's some weaknesses in his game because that all sounds pretty good. He, he doesn't have the best agility. He's got good straight line speed, but his change of directions are slow. He loses too much speed in and out of his transitions. Some of that comes from being so big, it's hard for him to sink his hips and move fluidly. Uh, there's an element of that. He also struggles when he has to play with his back to the ball. So in man coverage, once you get that jam and you're running with the guy, you're back to the quarterback, he struggles to since the ball, since the throw. He only got a hand on 10% of the passes that targeted him last season. And he's also susceptible to big moves or big plays off of like double moves. He allowed 13 catches of over 15 yards this year, which was the second most in the Trayvon SEC. Diggs, so, <laughs> yeah, he, so he's a big play guy. I think his best fit at the next level is going to be an outside corner and like a 
cover three zone scheme where he's responsible for that deep zone. So he's able to sink off and keep his eyes on the quarterback. He's best with his eyes facing the quarterback. I also think he didn't do this in college. I, I feel like if, if corner doesn't work out very well, he's the type of guy that could translate to safety well, because then he gets to keep his eyes in the backfield. He gets to come downhill and, and hit guys. And I think that's where he can thrive. It would take some of the stress off of him and the transitions out of cuts and things like that. So I like Keely Ringo. He's fallen a lot more than I think he should. Uh, if he was there at pick 30, he's not a, He's not an exact fit for the type of scheme the Eagles are going to run where I think he should be more of a cover three sort of corner. But at that point, I think you roll the dice on the elite speed and length and you see if you can make it work out. So I like Keely Ringo more than a lot of people do. I feel like Uh, would be pretty happy with him at 30 as well. Yeah, Ringo is a guy I feel like doesn't kind of get the the credit he deserves. Like the drop, to, to your point, is very surprising to me. I didn't expect him to drop as much. I think his physicality and his run support are, are underrated, but I understand that his consistency of coverage as well as the route recognition is is kind of what the scouts and, and people evaluating his talent are looking at. And I remember I put out a post not too long ago about Jalen Carter at 10, Ringo at 30, like is the whole Georgia defense basically getting back together in Philadelphia. <laughs> and a lot of fans were like, don't like Ringo. He got burned. He's getting cooked all the time. But again, I think it's recency bias because of what they just witnessed in the last game of his collegiate career. I think Ringo has a lot of traits that people should covet, especially defenses, to your point, with zone schemes and such. 6'2 at good size, 210 pounds. To your point, even though he allowed and got beat on a lot of those double moves, he did allow just one touchdown on 545 coverage snaps. So he wasn't letting people score. At least he was getting beat, but he was he was making the tackle or people were helping him out. So at least he was keeping people out of the end zone. And that 4-3-6 speed at the combine is, is elite. Like, you can do a lot with that. Uh, the change of direction is, is where he's going to have to try and figure it out. But when you have that kind of speed, you're at least going to be able to keep up with receivers. And then you're gonna, you can always tell people how to develop a ball recognition in the air and how to get to the catch point and things like that. I think he has very good traits. I would be, I would feel a lot more encouraged about making that pick if uh, Denar Wilson was still here. I don't know who's going to be coaching these. Do we know who's coaching the DBs now? I don't think we do. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not, on, I'm not on. Yeah, the I don't, I don't here. know either. But we'll see how how Sean decides going to deploy these guys. And and I think. Why Ringo makes even more sense is that while he's developing, he's a guy that the Eagles don't need immediate help at corner this year and maybe not even next year, depending on how healthy Bradbury and Slay, uh, you know, remain. You still have Greedy Williams, who they're hoping to get something out of. So it's not like you draft Ringo and you hope that he can go out there and cover guys like Mike Evans and guys like that right from right from the jump and Terry McLaurin's and and uh, and uh, and C.D. Lambs. You don't you're not going to expect him to go out there and do that right from the jump. He'll be able to develop behind proven veterans, behind very good Pro Bowl corners. And by the time Slay and Bradbury are, are out of here or whatever the situation is, I think Rilo, uh, Keely Ringo will be in a good spot to step in and produce at that level. So they can take their time with him. He's a very good talent. And I think that he's the perfect talent to develop behind these guys. I like a lot of the things I see from, from Keely Ringo. DK McDonald is the assistant defensive backs coach. And currently there is no defensive backs coach yeah. listed on the Eagles website. Yes, we so don't know who's teaching these guys. I guess he's the de facto defensive backs it's coach for slow. now. <laughs> James Bradbury, they're the, they're, the, they're, the, they're the coaches right now. But I'm all about Georgia defense regardless. Like we've mentioned a number of times as a joke, Alabama players on offense, Georgia players on defense. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to complain. If you can get Ringo and one of Carter and Nolan Smith, I would, I would be all, all about it. But from a strictly talent standpoint, 
I understand. I understand the uh, concerns with Ringo's game, but I think the pros outweigh the cons when you talk about strictly talent with him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So my my second guy, I knew that we weren't we weren't going to do this before. We talked prior to last week's episode, and we talked about this guy, and we didn't think that he's going to be here at thirty. But I have to. I can't get out of one of these two episodes without talking about him because he's literally that good. And maybe we'll get lucky and he falls because he's the best safety talent in the draft, and that is Brian Branch. We just talked about Alabama players on offense, but this is one of the guys on defense that I think would fit everything that the Eagles – it literally fills a need. I don't, if the Eagles trade back from 10 or he falls to 30, whatever the situation is, I think this guy should be the target uh, for the Eagles. Now, I understand that in their 90-year history, the Eagles have never taken a safety in the first round. So why is this year going to break that streak? Well, it's because Brian Branch, I feels like, will replace or it brings a lot of the same things that uh, CJ Garner Johnson did. I know Terrell Edmonds is here and Justin Evans and all these other guys that they're hoping can kind of figure it out. But I feel like if you bring in Brian Branch, Branch Edmonds and Reed Blankenship gives you a really solid safety uh, depth chart. I feel like that gives you three really solid guys that you can figure out who's going to play deep, who's going to be uh, kind of in the box as that strong safety and try to figure things out. Brian Branch had 14 tackles for loss in 2022. That was the most by Alabama defensive back in the Nick Saban era. And I think he can align. He basically can align at any spot on the field, depending how Sean Desai is going to do it. He can line up anywhere. He can You can play in the slot. He can play deep safety. He can play strong safety. I feel like his football IQ, his athleticism, his range to get to any spot on the field, and he's a very good tackler. I feel like people don't talk about how good this man is as a tackler. Like, watch his tape. This man is wrapping up. He's not missing many tackles. I just feels like from a guy, from an obvious need, I mean, we can we can debate about what the Eagles truly need on defense, but this is an obvious need that I think the Eagles can fill. They weren't able to, to, to wrap up C.J. Gardner-Johnson, a young, promising safety. Then you go out and get a guy like Brian Branch. You at least have him cost control for the next four or five years with the fifth-year option since he's a first-round pick, and you go from there. I really like a lot of the things. I see people say he's he's the best safety prospect in recent memory. Now, I was really big on Kyle Hamilton last year, so I'd have to compare kind of those two in my evaluations. But I really like what I see from Brian Branch and everything he did for Alabama last season. And he probably won't be there at 30. Let me preface that with that. But I had to I had to talk about him and just pray, pray that he might fall. <laughs> yeah, he actually he had the lowest missed tackle rate among players with 90 exactly. plus tackles exactly. this year. So he, he's an incredible tackler. Very disruptive as a blitzer, if mm -hmm. you wanted to use him that way. Uh, he can easily carry tight ends up the seam. And you might ask, why would a safety be carrying a tight end up the seam? Shouldn't he already be up <laughs> high? But he actually took 76% of his snaps in mm -hmm. the slot a lot of them. at Alabama. So Alabama moved him around a lot. He took 21% of his snaps in the box. Uh, actually, he took very few snaps aligned as a deep safety. So he's kind of a move piece. There's a lot of versatility. Um which is a good and a bad thing. Uh, you mentioned Jeremiah Usaporomoa, yeah. another guy that was similar to that, uh, who I was very high on too, and he fell out of the first round entirely because a lot of times, like if you have one guy like that and you build your defense around moving him around, doing different things, and you don't have a backup for that guy, it screws your whole defense over if he goes down. So sometimes those guys fall. Sometimes defenses don't want to have to use, you know, get creative. They just want a guy that we can plug him in at deep safety. We can plug him in at slot. And so maybe Branch starts to fall a little bit. Although I think the absolute floor for Brian Branch is 25 oh, to the New York Giants. Yeah. Like this is a guy Wink Martindale would love. He's a good blitzer. 
He's good in coverage up the seams. Like he's everything that the Giants would. They want. let Julian so Love walk too. I have a didn't hard Julian time. Love just walked. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So I, I have a hard time envisioning him getting yeah, to thirty, too. but he's worth talking about because in a trade down or a trade up situation, trade down from ten, trade up from thirty. I would love the Brian Branch pick. I think he solves a big problem for the Eagles. Yeah, defense. he matches up well with pass catching tight ends. I think he keeps up with with speedy slots that come running out. I think he he can. I, I've yet to see him not be able to cover somebody. I just right. I the, it's hard to find weaknesses in this game. But I think the one weakness I I wouldn't even call it a weakness, but the one thing I realized when I was watching a lot of his tape and I was like, damn, these are a lot of these things are out of the slot. As you mentioned, 76%. I was like, yo, they don't line him up too many, too many other spots. So he was really effective out of the slot, but I can't help but compare him to guys like Mika Fitzpatrick and the versatility that he brings. And if Sean decides defense is going to be similarly to that of Jonathan Gannon, we know how much they value versatile guys and defensive backs. And man, you plug him in. Like I said, him, we got the veteran uh, Edmonds and you have, uh, the, the promising Reed Blankenship who showed some good things last season. I think that gives you a solid, solid safety group that you can depend on. And I would be very intrigued to see what uh, what he can do in this defense, because I feel like he's far and away the better. Say, I know there's Antonio Johnson's and the, and the other guys, but man, I feel like if you're not able to get Brian Branson, it's a steep, steep drop off to, to, to the next few guys. And he's a guy I've fallen in love with. He's a guy that I'm prepared to watch and play for someone else. Cause the Eagles don't take safeties in the first round, but it would have been disrespectful. To, to to him in Alabama, Nick Saban, and the things that he was able to do for them uh, uh, for last season. So uh, before we go to break, I will I will be fair to the other safeties in this class. Shane, if Brian Branch isn't there and the Eagles do want a safety at number 30, who's another guy that they that you would recommend they look at? Um, You know, I, I talked about potentially moving Ringo to safety. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> and another guy would be Antonio yeah, he's Johnson. he's the next favorite. I have him yeah. with – yeah, I've got him with a second round grade, Antonio Johnson out of Florida, uh, or excuse me, out of out of Texas mm-hmm. A&M, not, not Florida State, somebody else out of Florida State, but uh, <laughs> Antonio Johnson out of Texas A&M, I think he's, uh, he's physical coming downhill, he's a really good tackler, uh, can carry tight ends up the seam, running backs into the flat, but you're mostly going to want him as a zone defender. He's versatile too, he played uh, deep. More, he actually played more deep than Branch did. He also played in the box and in the slot, but he still majored in the slot about 50% of his snaps. Uh, he doesn't have the ball skills that Branch does, and he's not the most fluid mover, but it's the same sort of thing. He's a versatile guy that you could move around to different places. Uh, I also like Sidney Brown, who's a safety out of Illinois. I've got him a little further back, but still with a second-round mm-hmm. grade. And the same sort of thing. He's really versatile, played deep in the box in the slot, over his three years at Illinois. Uh, and he's a really, he's a really good athlete. He's a better athlete than either of those other two guys. So there's some options there for sure. If you want to get into the second round and look at safety. Yeah. There. Yeah. You mentioned Florida state. I thought you were going to bring up uh, Jamie Robinson, who is, who's, who's a guy who that's, uh, I think he probably goes in the second as well. He's another solid tackler. I'd probably have him as the second best tackler to, uh, to, to Brian branch, a 200 plus pound guy who uh, they'll love to throw around. He can get in the box and be physical with guys. Um, so I think he goes early uh, on day two as well. So those are some of the other safety options if or when actually Ryan Brand's not available. Let's the Eagles shock us and trade back and trade up or whatever the situation is. But I'm in love with Brian Brands. He is my, my one of my big, big draft crushes. Does a lot of things well and would just fit like a glove on everything that the Eagles kind of need in the in this defense. Not to say I'm not confident in Edmonds and Reed Blankenship, but he would come in here and and just add another dimension to the, to the safety room. So I'd be very excited 
if the Eagles were able to put that off. Shane, we'll go to a, a quick break here. When we come back, we'll break down our last guys that, that we like. Shane has one guy. I have one more guy on offense that I think would take this offense to new heights. So we'll go to a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Thank you guys for listening to the EPA podcast right here on Bleeding Green Nation. And we are back here on the EPA podcast, breaking down six guys that we think could be good fits for the Eagles at pick 30. Uh, so far, I've talked about offensive guard Osiris Torrance and defensive back Keely Ringo. Victor has talked about defensive back Brian Branch and edge rusher BJ, BJ Ojolari. We each have one guy left, and I will kick us off here with my next guy. Uh, it is another position the Eagles historically don't draft ever, much less in the first round, but it's Drew Sanders, the linebacker out of Arkansas. Mm. Uh, he was a five-star prospect coming out of high school who played quarterback and wide receiver and linebacker in high school. He spent two years at Alabama, mostly as an edge rusher before he transferred to Arkansas for 2022, and they moved him to off-ball linebacker. And he is huge. He's 6'4", which is 96th percentile uh, height for a linebacker. He ran a 4.59.40 at his pro day. He didn't run at the combine. And he had a 9.28 relative athletic score, so a really athletic guy. This season, he had 103 tackles, 13.5 tackles for loss, 9.5 sacks, one interception, five passes defensed, three forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, and he had 39 pressures. He's kind of a unicorn athlete. Like he, he has a rare combination of length and explosiveness. He's basically like Hassan Reddick explosiveness and weight, but four inches taller. Um, he, so he could probably add some weight, and I'll get to that in a second at the next level, but he's a really fluid mover in space. He's an excellent pass rusher. I mean, he played edge at Alabama. He's got pass rush moves. Uh, Arkansas used him a lot as a blitzer through the A-gap between the center and the guard from his linebacker position. And I thought he showed really good instincts in zone coverage for a guy that has been an edge rusher for two years and just made the move to linebacker. So it's encouraging that although he's not a finished product, he showed some instincts there because you would project that he can grow as a zone defender. Uh, now, he struggles to diagnose run plays and get off of blocks and traffic at times. And again, that's his edge rusher background. He wasn't used to having to diagnose it. He was used to just, you know, setting the edge, whatever. And so he, he's still new to that. He plays upright at times and loses leverage when, when he gets hit by a tackle. And he doesn't break down very well as a tackler. He missed 22 tackles in 2022. But if he squares you up, he does hit you hard. He's a hard hitter. So Eagles fans mm. would like that. Um, I do think he's going to need to add mass to play in the box the next level. He's only 33rd percentile weight. He's a guy that would be really interesting in that if the Eagles want to blitz more than they did last year, which we'll see. I don't know what I don't know what Sean Desai wants to do. If they want to blitz more, he's an excellent blitzer from the linebacker position. If you don't want to do that, this may not be your guy. And he's really athletic. He might develop into a pretty good cover guy, but he's so good at rushing the passer. Um, you know, in a nightmare scenario where you lost to Son Reddick, he could step into that Sam linebacker pass primary pass rusher off the edge roll. Um, he would give you good size on, on the interior where you, you're going to probably have N'Kobe Dean who is undersized. And so I, I think there's a lot of pros for Drew Sanders. Now, I don't know that the Eagles would consider taking a linebacker in the first round, but if they would, this is really the only guy that I think is worth that pick. 
And I would love to see him in midnight green, just sort of wrecking havoc. Think of the blitzes they could draw up with uh, Sanders and Hassan Reddick next to each other. It would be it would be kind of interesting. Yeah, to watch. it sounds like it would certainly be a force. He and the Kobe, the Kobe Dina in the middle of that defense. I think that's a that's a lot of talent there. That Eagles fans would be excited. Which, by about. the way, Nakobe Dean also a really good blitzer. Ooh. So you would have three linebackers on the field that you could conceivably blitz, and just the creativity, the things you could come up with off of that would be really uh, scary. behind a presumed uh, dominant uh, defensive line. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be scary. As QBs would have to get real acclimated with the with the ground because they'd be on be on the ground uh, uh, quite a lot. No, we brought in Nicholas Morrow. Uh, that's a guy who, you know, the veteran guy, similarly to Terrell Edmonds, you don't know what he's going to give you, but it's good for veteran leadership. But a guy like that, uh, I, I'd definitely be excited to see uh, in this defense, the more young talent they have, the better, the more blitzing, the better. We're hoping we're going to see more of that uh, with Sean Desai at the helm. So from one position that the Eagles likely won't address in the first round to another is running back. Now, I know the apple of everyone's eyes is clearly B. John Robinson. They're saying he's the best running back prospect since since Saquon Barkley, and uh, he can transform an offense. And the thought of him in a high-powered offense with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Bowen and Devonta Smith and Dallas Cotter, you would just have to – you'd be able to win all your games 56-49. to 49. It wouldn't even matter what the defense looks like because you would just run up and down the field all day long, and I understand that. But the likelihood – of the Eagles investing not only a first round resource, a top 10 resource in a running back is not just not going to happen. And maybe they'll shock you this year. Maybe they shock the world. I don't foresee it happening. Shane, I'm sure you don't foresee it happening, but man, if, if it, if it does, I I mean, I'm sure we could complain about it, but I think the excitement would supersede that. But if if Bijan is not the guy they go after and they decide they want another offensive weapon with the first round pick, I think, Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama would be a very, very, very nice pick. Now, Rashad Penny is here. We don't know what the durability is going to look like. He says his goal this year is to play in every game. I'm sure that sounds nice on paper, but the track record isn't there to back it up. Uh, if, we, if he goes down, I would hope that it should be goal. every player's goal. It should be so for him to come in here. I, I don't. I don't ever want to hear a free agent signing. Be like, yeah, my goal is to play. Yeah, in I want to play in twelve games. So let's hope I can stay upright for twelve games. That's my goal. But some maybe some players want baby steps. You know, he's 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 yet to surpass ten games in the last like four years. So maybe he's like, I'll this year I'll play ten. Next year I'll play fourteen. But he's gonna try and play all of them. So uh, we'll see if that happens. But if you add Jameer Gibbs to this offense with his four three six speed, this man has elite athleticism as well as explosiveness and i think the thing well vision also because we can have the argument about miles sanders vision and if he ever had it behind this offensive uh behind this offensive line but i think the understated part of his game is the uh is the run blocking or the uh, pass blocking rather i think he's a, a underrated pass protector i don't think a lot of backs right now on the roster provide very good pass protection and the primary goal should be to keep your soon to be 200 million dollar quarterback upright and i think jameer gibbs offers a lot as a, as a pass protector, but aside from that elite burst in the open field, uh, above average receiving threat, I think that you can do a lot of things with Jameer Gibbs in this offense. I know we have Kenneth Gainwell, and a lot of fans are excited about that. The Eagles say they're excited about Trey Sermon and what he can do. Um, so maybe running back isn't isn't going to be the priority. But when you ask you know people inside NFL circles, they're saying running back is on the minds of that front office. And if they want a, a true home run hitter, they want to add a true home run hitter to this offense in addition to all the other playmakers i think jameer gibbs is, is a solid solid choice yeah what say what did you say about him as a pass protector did you say you liked him i like him as a, like him as a pass protector i think he's protector. i think he's i think he's above average i don't think he's like this elite like stonewall i think he's above average that's the phrase i'll use <laughs> okay yeah see i, I thought he kind of struggled in oh. pass protection 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, and and some of that some of that size related at five nine, it's hard to be a great pass protector. Um, I'll say this. I'll say this I, I like is better Jameer... than the current backs on the roster. I'll say that. Well, I haven't watched Rashad Penny a whole lot as a pass protector, so maybe I should watch more. But he's better than Gainwell, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's okay. Penny is, but Seattle started bringing in other guys for to pass reason. protect. Some of that might be durability related as well, but. It's crazy because Gainwell was a good pass protector in college and it's just never shown up mm. in the NFL. Like I remember the clip that went viral of him decleating um at Cowboys linebacker. Michael Parsons, Mike Parsons right after yeah, because they were same draft, I think. And after the Eagles drafted Gainwell, that pick start that uh, clip went viral on Twitter of him decleating Micah Parsons. But you never saw um, that at the pro level, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, we never did. Um I, I really like Jameer Gibbs. I don't he would be exciting in the Eagles offense. I don't think he's necessarily like the best fit for the Eagles. And I'm a little bit on an Island when, when I say that, because a lot of people really like Gibbs to Philadelphia. I, I think his best quality though, is his receiving ability. I mean, he runs routes really well. Uh, he separates, he's got elite yak ability. Uh, he had 25 receptions of over 15 yards in his career. He had 39 forced missed tackles on receptions, only two drops on 103 passes. He's a really good receiver. The Eagles just don't throw yeah, to running backs nope. a lot. Like, you think about the screen game. They love the screen game to Dallas Goddard. That's their go-to. And so you're not going to throw a lot of running back screens. Um Jalen Hurts doesn't throw a lot of checkdowns, and nor do a lot of mobile. He is the checkdown. You could argue Hertz, maybe Hurts running is the checkdown. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and there's you could argue maybe you'd like him to stay in the pocket and just hit those checkdowns. And there's a balance there, but for the most part, I want my mobile quarterback that can outrun the defensive end to outrun him and look for a big play. Uh, so if you're not gonna use him a ton in the receiving game, then I question how good of a value he is as a pick. I like the player, and if he was there you know, in the second round, which I don't think he will be uh, definitely not where the Eagles are picking. I would love it. I think he's going to end up going higher than I would value him on the mm. Eagles just because of the lack of throwing to running backs. And, uh, you know, he's all, he's undersized and that shows up in short yardage mm -hmm. situations. Not that that's a big deal because Jalen Hurst is the Eagles <laughs> short yardage back. Um, so I like Jameer Gibbs. I I'm a little cooler on the fit than mo well, Anybody else I've talked to that's an Eagles person, but uh, that's kind of my perspective on Gibbs. Like the player, just not sure he would be worth the value for the Eagles, given how much they would use him in the past. Yeah, and I think fans just want to add a playmaker regardless of what his really schematic fit is, so I think that's what it is also. And to your point, the pass-catching ability uh, is useful, and I think it would make more sense if Kenneth Gainwell wasn't on the roster already, who's fairly good at catching the ball himself. So do you want two guys in the backfield with similar skill sets? You kind of want to you, – you want to – you want a counterpart to gain well in the power game, which is why they got uh, uh, Rashad Penny. I fell in love with his home run hitting speed, and I thought he was half decent at pass protecting. And I was like, the Eagles could could uh, could use that, which is why I zoned in on him. But some other runners, I know we're, we both are very very feel strongly about Zach Charbonnet. Uh, you have Deuce Vaughn out there, uh, Tanks Bigsby or Tank Bigsby, and some other names. So if uh, let's say we're we're past the second round, we're getting into mid round picks now. And some of these other runners are available. Who would you say after Gibbs and Bijan Robinson? And I guess I'll take Zach Charbonnet off the list because we've talked about him a lot and we already know that he's pretty much a bowling ball on offense. What are some other mid-round runners that you think would be better served in this Eagles offense rather than Jameer Gibbs? Uh, Tank Bigsby is my, is my number four running mm -hmm. back. I've got a third round grade on him. Uh, 
he's kind of he's more that fit that I like for the Eagle. He's a north south runner. He almost always falls forward. He's, he's not falling backwards. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's not explosive speed. He's slightly below average speed. Like he ran a four five eight forty, which is fortieth percentile. Mm. But his 10-yard split was 70th percentile. So he's got burst, just not elite speed. But, you know, I think it's worth mentioning that we always salivate over four or three mm-hmm. running backs. But running back is one of the positions where athleticism correlates least to success in the league. So I, I don't think it's as huge of a deal. Um, got to think. Now, he, he's, think got, he's got inconsistencies, and that's why I don't have him in a, you know, top two-round grade. Mm-hmm. But I, I really like Bigsby. If you want more of, like, the – Scat back type guy, Tajay Spears out of Tulane yeah. is an interesting option. Devon A-Chain, which I think he's going to go higher because of that 4-3-2 speed. But there's some guys out there for sure. I think that's a good year to need a running back because I think there's a lot of them that can be had in the second and third day of the draft. Yeah, as long as we stay away from the small woods and the uh, – and the, who's the one back we took that never saw the field that was super, super productive? Uh, I forget his name. Danelle yeah. Pumphrey. Yeah, what a shame. What a shame. I was going to say, to your point, you mentioned the uh, – yeah, falling in love with the four three speed. I was gonna say, how often do uh, backs get to hit that top speed? Because you know it takes a little bit. To, you have to accelerate and get past defenders to that. It's not very often you're gonna see four three speed in the in the in the backfield. So that's um that that was my point there. I do want to ask. I know uh, when we were surveying your big board last week, and you were like, Kendrick Miller isn't even properly ranked in my running backs. I, I I'm somewhat a Kendrick Miller fan, but I think that's because I watched a lot of them over over the college year last year, probably because I bet on him a ton. Um, but what about Kendrick Miller? Don't you like to the point where he's not even catching your eye at this point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just I, I've got it. There, there's a big clump of guys that I have kind of a day three grade on. And once you get to once you get to day three, I don't venture too far into day three, like <laughs> ranking guys. Um, but yeah, I would have no problem with Kendrick Miller. He's got some upside. Um, so I, I don't have I don't have anything against him. He just he didn't make it into like a top three round grade for me. <laughs> And I got tired of writing reports and ranking guys. I had day three yeah, picks on. So. They're all the same at that point. Yeah, they all they all kind of offer the same. I remember I remember talking to you about. And I was like, "Dang, no, Kendra Miller." You're like, "Nope, he's not in this list." <laughs> I was like, "Dang, I I kind of like the guy," uh, but maybe it's because I'm biased and I watched a whole lot of them uh, with that with that uh, uh, TCU right TCU offense last year. So that was yeah yeah. yeah I remember watching him a ton with the, <laughs> especially all the way up to the. Uh, uh, to the uh, to the championship game. So those are uh, our, our top three guys. I like Brian Branch. I'm sure we a lot of us like Brian Branch. BJ Ojolari as a uh, respectable pick that makes sense at number 30. And of course, uh, Jameer Gibbs as a, as a, another playmaker added to this Eagles offense. Don't think the Eagles do it. I think they're pretty, uh, pretty, pretty uh, content with the way things look on offense right now. I think they will add a runner at some point, maybe not in the first round, but I do like what I see from Jameer Gibbs uh, uh a lot and then uh shane run through run through your guys one more time before we get out of here yeah i had uh osiris torrance the offensive guard the out non-sexy of Florida, pick as non-sexy. the non-sexy <laughs> pick yeah don't tell him that uh and then i had uh keely ringo defensive back out of Love georgia him. cornerback uh maybe safety versatile and then my third one was Drew Sanders, the linebacker out of Arkansas. Very good guys. Very good picks there. Very good picks. It's going to be an interesting, Jeff. I feel like this is going to this is going to be one of the more uh, unpredictable drafts, aside from the first two picks. We all know it's going to be Young and Stroud, depending on which way. Or Anthony Richardson. Apparently, he's made his way back to the top of boards again. And now Will Levis is surpassing Richardson. Like apparently to the Colts, they like Will Levis more than Richardson. So this is going to be a very very interesting draft, and we'll see how the board kind of falls 
for the Eagles because if Jalen Carter is off the board and Peter Skaronsky is off the board and Devin Witherspoon is off the board, he kind of kind of got to take Bijan at that point. What do you do? What do you do if those three guys are off the board? What do you do, Skaronsky? If Shane, if Skaronsky, Jalen Carter, and Devin Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez are all off the board, and Bijan is there, you have to, you have to, no? <laughs> what? Nah. Miles, Miles Murphy, yeah, Tyree Wilson. Fanboy. There's yeah. there's other guys. Trade back. Uh, I mean, there there's a lot of options oh. there, but I uh I don't think whispers into the microphone. <laughs> I don't think Bijan Robinson's making it to yeah. Oh, what? I don't Damn. even think we're spent we're spending a lot of time talking about Eagles fans. Will the Eagles take Bijan at 10? I don't even think he's gonna make it there. <laughs> I, I think I don't think he I th- I don't think he makes it past the Falcons at eight. I think he's a few I think he's a future Atlanta Falcons. I see. I saw you uh tweeting yeah, he would be nice with Drake London and uh Kyle Pitts and those boys. I saw you tweeting about Miles Murphy, I think it was yesterday. And I was about to respond and be like really pushing this Miles Murphy narrative, really trying to make this happen. <laughs> Miles Murphy is the guy that we walk away with. I would be less I would be less than enthused, but I've 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 you you've swayed me on why he would be effective. Yo, if those if all those guys are off the board and Bijan is there and they trade back and take Miles Murphy or just draft them outright, it's gonna be a lot of upset Eagles fans. I'm telling you, it's gonna be a lot of fans to say you didn't take BPA, you took you took need and and uh, and all those things. But I feel like this is going to be the year where Howie saw what the Eagles did last year, and maybe he goes for the home run shots and says, I'm gonna win a ring this year by come hell or high water. I don't care what the value is, I don't care what the history is, I'm just gonna take some of these players. So we'll see what it is that Howie Roseman. Those appreciate you guys for tuning into this episode of the EPA podcast brought to you by BGN Radio, Weeding Green Nation. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms at the Philly Pod. Shane, let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter. If you haven't found his YouTube yet, he does post clips of his stuff on Twitter. So if you come across that, it'll be easier to find his YouTube and so on and so forth. So Shane, let the people know where they can find that and research up on their guys in these last few weeks before the draft kicks off at the end of the month. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at half and half underscore TPL uh, every Monday through Saturday from now till the 22nd. Uh, I've got clips going out about five different players every day. I'm working my way up my big board. So we're into the 30s now. In fact, just a couple minutes ago, the Drew Sanders uh, video popped off. So you can go watch those. Uh, you can follow me on YouTube at Shane Half NFL. You can check out my podcast, Chalk Talk, uh, which is a little dead right now, uh, but we'll pick up after the draft with some more original content covering like all the NFL, not just the Eagles. So uh, it comes from an Eagles perspective, but we talk about the whole NFL. So you can check out all of that stuff and uh, links to all that stuff is in my link tree. It's also posted on the videos that are posting out on Twitter throughout the day. So go check. Yeah, it's funny out. that you mentioned about your uh, other show. That's kind of dead. Mine hasn't seen an upload since my, my, the other podcast, the Philly pod that the people are used to hearing me on. And people are asking me when a new one is coming that they should be listening to me on BGN radio anyway. But my last upload was February 20th. So that, that show, for those of you waiting for me to upload something into that feed, uh, it will be here after the draft. There's no sense in me coming on here and talking and then repeating the same stuff on another pod feed. It doesn't make sense, which is why I've been focusing on BGN yeah. during draft season. And then after, you know, when the draft comes and and, and all that stuff, the Philly pod will be back on. So it's, it's funny that yours is kind of dead because mine is definitely uh, hanging on two months. To, I'll be shocked if I still have subscribers <laughs> come after that show. So that's funny. That's yeah. Funny. That's that's where mine's at. Like I told people that last year I did all of the draft ranking shows I'm doing for BGN this year for Chalk Talk. And so this year I just basically told people like I'm doing it for BGN right. this year. So go listen to him there and the show's not dead. 
as well, soon hiatus. as the draft is over, I'll pick up doing different stuff. But it's just the content. Yeah, here hiatus. For now. Yeah, now I was I really felt bad about like like the other show, but now I don't feel as bad because it's a recurring theme with you too. So all right, we can grieve in that in that together. For the people that have listened this long into the show, Shane's because uh, I don't. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see what we end to do. But can are you able to give me a spoiler on who the number one player is on your big board? Ooh, number Very, one, number one number spoiler. One, yeah, huh? yeah. For the people, yeah, we got to reward the people for sticking around this long. <laughs> yeah, it won't, it won't be a surprise, uh, probably to people. It's, it's pretty chalky. It's Will Anderson. Oh. Uh, yeah, Will Anderson comes in as the number one guy over on the quarterback. Board, so, what? Yeah, yeah. Wow, I thought it was Bryce. He's CJ. One of one of three blue chip prospects, and and he, I, I've got him over any of the. Where do you have? Well, now I'm just getting into the whole thing. But I'll I'll wait for that to come. I was gonna say, where do you have Jalen Carter on that list? And should the Eagles run to the? We always say run to the podium, even though we said last episode that's not even a real life scenario to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one. Yeah, he's up he's there. Up there. We'll, we'll say he he's up there. The whole quite list. Highly. We won't break the whole list. Got to listen to that. So I think what we'll do next week is we'll come in, and I don't want to say like we'll do like three second rounds or three third rounds. So I think I'll do three of our favorite day two prospects at that point. We'll kind of meld all the rounds. We'll do three of our day twos. That'll be our last episode before the draft, and then um, we'll decide on what we're going to do for BGN afterwards because our other shows do have to survive at some point. So so we'll figure that yeah. out. So appreciate you guys for listening to this edition as we talked about our favorite picks at number thirty. Next week we'll come up here. And we'll talk about three of our favorite day two prospects, whether it be second round, third round, whatever the case is. But we'll keep the coverage coming, leading us all the way up into the uh, the NFL draft. And then we'll have more solidified players to talk about, players that will be Philadelphia Eagles. That'll be very excited to uh, talk about. So appreciate you guys for tuning into this. Be sure to subscribe to BGN Radio on all pod platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, whatever it is you get your shows. Be sure to subscribe. Leave those reviews. I saw some very uh, nice ones recently, especially about Shane. He's, he's he's killing it. So be sure to listen to all his other shows. You're on another draft show, right? I don't know how many shows you're on on the speed anymore. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do the BGN draft show. Uh, so we've got the only position group we have left right now is linebackers. We'll air linebackers oh, yeah. uh, next week. And then on draft week, we're going to come back and do a My Guys uh, podcast where basically there's three of us on the show and we're going to find where every spot that one of us is like significantly higher or lower than the other two we're going to make them defend their position on those guys why they're so low or so high so that should be a fun one too oh that's spicy that's spicy be sure to stay tuned on bgn radio so you don't miss those kind of shows we'll be back with you guys next week talking day two prospects appreciate you guys we'll catch you on the next one